1: So let's get down to business with another episode of Start a Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io
0: and we are back welcome to yet another episode of the startup hustle podcast today's episode of startup hustle is sponsored by fullscale.io helping you build a software team quickly and affordably i'm your host lauren conaway founder and ceo of innovate her KC, and today ladies and gentlemen Dear, dear listeners, I am so excited to introduce our guest to you, Melissa Vincent. Uh, she is Executive Director of Pipeline Entrepreneurs, and so she does work every day that you and I are extremely enthusiastic about. It is her job to support entrepreneurs and startup founders and the entrepreneurial ecosystem and she does that a lot of different ways through through the pipeline entrepreneurs program and we're going to talk about that today but first i'm going to say melissa thank you so much for being here with us i'm so excited
1: I am as well. Thank you so much for having me and what a great intro. I mean, like you're listening like what I do and I'm like, who wouldn't want that job?
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, I do feel like well, a lot of the people that I talk to you on this show, they are we're just very fortunate because we get to do things that we're passionate about and things that we truly believe in. And so so I'm going to I'm going to hop right into it and I'm going to ask you, tell us Tell us about Melissa Vincent and what you believe in and how you came to do what you're doing right now. I That's that's like three questions and that's (laughs) very, very big questions, but I'm going to, I'm going to make you responsible to them. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Which one was the first one in the list? (laughs) I mean, the the real bottom line of it is tell us about your journey. (laughs)
1: That I can do. Um, So I have a, a rather interesting journey. Um, I One, because I'm not from the Midwest originally, I'm actually from the East Coast. I'm from Pennsylvania. And on a path to becoming an entrepreneur myself, it was not necessarily what I would call the, the straightest path, the easiest path, none of the things, which is probably why I'm so passionate about what I do now and working with entrepreneurs. But um, I moved from Pennsylvania to Oklahoma 17 years ago. And prior to that had been in healthcare. And then after that, uh, when I moved here, I was looking for a job in healthcare and uh, ended up working for a startup. And that startup was successfully sold. I was able to stay on with the same angel investor and we started another startup and, you know, really grew that, that was in um, mobile donation space before there was you know, really all the ways that we think about giving, it was when mobile web had just come out and everyone was trying to decide, is there, are we going to give, are we going to use apps only? Or is, will people actually use the mobile web? Which is crazy to think about, but it was 2008 and that's where we were. And so, you know, there's this first layer of who I am that it's like, oh, that sounds so fantastic. She was part of this first company that was sold then she went into this other startup. And, you know, I liken being in a startup, especially as a female, especially in the Midwest, to being in the wild, wild west, because of the fact that in startups, there's not a lot of rules, there's not a lot of, you don't have HR early on. And so what sounds at the top, like, oh, she stayed home with the same angel investor, it must have been amazing. It wasn't. Um, There were a lot of issues, there was, I was the only woman in that, Um, organization. And as a result of that, there were a lot of things that went on that were um, just very difficult to manage. And without an HR or someone else to go to, um, my voice was not heard. And so eventually, that's actually what caused me to leave and start out on my own. So it's funny because I think, you know, Mm -hmm. where you end up is kind of where you're supposed to be. But the What the impetus was for me actually leaving was a lot of bad things happening and not having a voice and finally feeling like I'd had enough of the bad things that I thought, well, it has to be better if I just try out on my own. So that's what I did. I started my own own company, a software development firm, and then from there started a sports tech company, and um, in the middle of that, ended up... um, Yeah, so I have the entrepreneurial piece myself. Um, my dad was a software engineer, so I grew up around technology, have that very logical like, thought process. And so in doing all of that, did everything from raising capital to managing a board, good and bad, investors, just the whole spectrum, trying to grow all the while the, the ecosystem here in Oklahoma and making it easier for women to be able to... Um, hear other voices that are similar to theirs. And I think that it's really difficult when you are experiencing things, at least it was for me. I didn't have any female mentors at that time who were in tech that I could talk to and say, are you experiencing this? Is this normal, not normal? And so as a result of that, that really is what has made me who I am, which is very transparent. If you ask me a question, I'll always tell you because I feel like when we don't share, when we hold things back in our story, especially if we've gone through a lot and we have a leadership position, if we hold things back when someone asks us a question, we don't know what that person is going through and we don't know if we're vulnerable enough to share our experience, it gives other people an opportunity to feel like they can be vulnerable and share. And that ultimately, hopefully will help other women realize um. That the more that we talk about things and the more that we're open and transparent with each other, the more we can support each other and hopefully create a next generation of entrepreneurs who don't have to battle some of the things that we've had to battle. So that all leads up to um, how I ended up at Pipeline, which is where I am now. And that was really a very bizarre string of events. I had a bizarre this is going to sound strange, but I had a bizarre infection in my knee that went really bad. And it came out of nowhere and, um, ended up in the hospital for a week. And through that whole process, um, was like, okay, I probably need to, I couldn't, it was uncovered that I had an autoimmune disease, which is why I had all that. And so through all these like health issues, this was last summer, um, uncovered that I really needed to slow down and, and running into startups and doing all the things that I was doing was, was not a uh, conducive to, uh, slowing down. And so it, it forced me to kind of take a step back and decide what it was I wanted to really focus on. And out of nowhere, I got a call from a recruiter about this opportunity with pipeline entrepreneurs, and I hadn't heard of them. So I googled them and was like, Oh, my gosh, this, this is amazing. Like I can't believe There's this organization out here. And so then it ended up where I was the person that they selected. And like, I just like you said, in the beginning, when you're describing the the job, I was like, oh my gosh, this could who wouldn't want this job? And I still feel that way, who wouldn't want this? And so, yeah, so that's my long story journey of a number of the ups and downs to get to ultimately where I am now.
0: I I cannot tell you, well, so, so, I mean, that was interesting on the face of it. And I loved hearing your story, but I can't express to you how hard some of the things that you were saying resonated mm-hmm. with me. Um, So, I mean, you know a little bit about Innovate Her KC, and by this point, our listeners probably know a little bit about Innovate Her KC, but Innovate Her KC was founded as as my response, and it's my version of, I went through this, I never want another woman to have to go through this. Um, You know, I think that often when people experience hardship, um, particularly in the professional world, there are two areas or i guess two ends of the spectrum that you fall on i went through this so everybody should have to go through this and i went through this i never want someone to have to experience that again and there it's a spectrum i think you and i fall on the the let's make it better for everyone else so that nobody else has to go through this again um because it, it's hard you know yeah. being uh, being the only woman at the table and and not feeling heard, and you know when you're in the meeting and you're the one who always is getting the coffee and taking the notes when you need to be, you know, focusing on what's happening in the meeting. And you know, you'll say something, and then somebody will, nothing will happen, and then somebody will say it a little bit later, and they just happen to be male, and it's like, oh, that's a great idea, you know. And I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I experienced those kinds of things, and and just the fact that hearing you express that. It just, it always gives me the feels um, because I, you know, knowing that you're not alone. Yes. Is, is a huge part of overcoming that particular struggle.
1: Which is why it's so important that we share our story because otherwise, I mean, you can't talk to everyone who's struggling. So opportunities like being on this podcast and the work that you're doing, it allows us to tell our story. What like you're able to share with a broader audience And so even if it's not a one-on-one conversation, at least you can hear, okay, someone else went through that. I'm not alone.
0: Yeah. Well, and you you said something that I found really, really interesting. You you said, you know, when when you didn't have an HR department to rely on or like a a huge network of people who might understand exactly where you were coming from, you talked about asking them what's normal. And, And I would say... I personally believe that there there's a difference between normal and acceptable mm. uh, And often in the the startup world, there are things that are normalized, particularly when it comes to founders and even employees and teams of color and teams that are comprised of women that where things are normal, but that doesn't mean they're okay. Um, and so, being able to have conversations about those and and kind of shine a light on them—that's the first step into overcoming them. So, so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. <laughs> um, you know, tell us, pipeline entrepreneurs. I know that you have a, a big focus on equity, um, and when I say equity, I don't mean venture capital, and I don't mean investment. I mean access for marginalized communities and things like that. Talk to us about how did you come to that? And how do you live that, those values? So there are a lot of
1: things that, um, that have, have created in me a need for being involved in organizations that care about giving a seat at the table to those who don't currently And, you know, you touched on one of those with um, the fact that as a woman, I did not have anyone else that that looked like me. I had no one else to say, you know, to go ahead of me, if you will. Um, The other piece of that, that story and why it's so important to me is that my son is adopted and he is Black. And he and I, he's nine, um he and I have a lot of, for nine, he's an old soul, but um, we have a lot of conversations around, especially right now, very difficult conversations um, around what's going on in, in the world. And the one thing I always try to pull it back to is, you know, when he says, you know, why don't other, you know, why do I look different or why am I different? Or, you know, he asks a lot of very, you um, very poignant questions for a nine years old. T- and the only thing that I can do, and even, is just to relate to him that, and he's you know grown up with his mom being an entrepreneur. So there are times where it's been really hard, and you know we'll talk about it. And I'll say, you know, Buddy and I, every you know, I'm different too, you know. And I, when I go to work, I'm the only girl, and sometimes people look at me, and because I'm the only girl, they don't want to hear what I have to say. And he's like, well, that's not right. And I'm like, exactly. But that same thing may happen to you and that doesn't make it right. And it doesn't make it okay. But if it happens, you still have to have a voice and you still have to be okay with saying how you feel, even if you're the only one that looks like you or anything else, like you still have to be able to have a voice. And sometimes people don't want to hear that, but it doesn't make it wrong for you to say what you think or to have a voice. And so we have these conversations and in a lot of ways, I feel like my journey and it it being very difficult has allowed me to at least feel like I don't understand. I, I know that I won't always be able to understand his perspective, but I at least understand what it's like to feel like your voice doesn't count. And it's my job, both as his mom, to make sure his voice counts. And it's super important to me as a result of that, also because of what I've experienced. So there are so many layers in my personal life and in my professional life that all come together that that cr- have created in me this sense of purpose around making a path for people who do not feel like they have a voice and making it, you know, I, I always say this to myself, but I feel like I'm a linebacker, the most unli- unlikely linebacker, but I feel like my job is to really go, f- go ahead and pave a way for those who are behind me and so it's like, in my mind, I feel comfortable with taking that pressure and pushing forward because I feel like that is my unique skill set um, is to push forward and to make a path and to clear a path. So, so when you when I think about that and how that relates to pipeline, I think it probably gives you a much stronger sense of why it's so important to me that we are reaching out and having conversations with you know communities that are currently do not have the voice that they should and giving them access to um, be able to actually reach a point where, you know, being an entrepreneur is even something that that they can do, um, and giving them the resources so that way they know how to do it and how to do it well. And so, you know, with pipeline being all about high growth entrepreneurs, you know, there, we get so many applications or just about to start application season. And one of the things that um, if we want to have more diversity in our classes that we have to do in our fellowship classes, we have to start making it, um, starting earlier in the system to make sure that communities that are currently marginalized and underrepresented have the support and the resources and um, basically the interaction with our members who are on the, you know, these high growth entrepreneurs who are successful. If we can take that brain trust that we have and share that, with communities that wouldn't have access to that, you know, on a normal day-to-day basis and help really grow. Um, You know, the people in those communities who want to be entrepreneurs, I feel like we will create, you know, when we look, you know, it's a process, but I feel like we will create a much more diverse um, group of entrepreneurs going forward and you have to start somewhere. And so for me, I choose to start where we are. And, you know, really start to build with that brain trust that we have of these amazing entrepreneurs giving back and saying, how can we help that next group of entrepreneurs who may not know the path to get there? Maybe that's just raising capital. Maybe that is access to capital. Maybe that is just looking at your business plan and understanding where it might be weak and where you're, you know, things that we, I think, take for granted, but not everyone has access to and really giving back in that way and helping grow that next group of entrepreneurs to have a seat at the table.
0: I love that. I so my next question, and you've kind of you you've touched on this, but I, I want to get get real direct with it. Why is it important to see more representation amongst entrepreneurs, successful or not? Why why is that so very vital and core? Well I think that
1: being an entrepreneur and the there is a level of um, it feels like people are left out. It, it 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 feels like it is an an honor almost, right? Oh, I have the financial wherewithal to be able to say I'm going to go do this thing. And there's a period there, you know, while you're raising capital or where you're, um, you know, just starting out where. If you don't have relationships with someone, I mean, friends and family are one part of that, right? Like your very early stages, but you have to have relationships with people who have access to capital or have capital themselves in order to really get something off the ground. Um, You can bootstrap it, but again, you have to have this long runway. And so, regardless of you know whether it's a great idea or not a great idea, we'll never know because without having access to some of those resources we're missing out on entrepreneurs and these brilliant minds who not for lack of um, idea, not for lack of anything other than financial um, you know, access to financial capital aren't going to get to see their idea through because it does take a level of financial uh, privilege to be able to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And I might not have the capital right now, but you know, I know when I raised capital that it was difficult because I was a woman, but I was able to do because I built all this network of relationships. Not everyone has access to that. And it was that access that gave me the ability to actually see my dreams come true. And this opportunity of like, I feel like after everything I'd gone through, I could do it better because I learned how not to do it right in the startups I've been a part of previously. And so I feel like if we do not give you know, underrepresented groups, access to those, those resources. I don't, they they will never have that privilege and that honor of being able to have their own company and see something through that is their, their idea, their own, um, you know, their story really doesn't get to get told because it really starts all the way back with just feeling like you even believe that you could do that. You know, oh, I could have my own company. That seems like it's something that's for people who have money or who have all those things. And making sure that we're giving people access to those resources means that we get to see a whole world of different ideas come out, a whole world of different representations so that the generation after that does look out there and see, oh my gosh, there are people that look like me out there. It can be done. And it's so important to me that we make sure that that changes, that we give that access because that just builds on itself. And so the more that we're doing that, then the next generation has more people that they see and it feels more accessible. And then the next, and then ultimately, as you get further down that that process, now you have some entrepreneurs who are also giving back financially, they're becoming investors and it builds this whole ecosystem that is so much more diverse and powerful because everyone's represented and right now that's just not the case.
0: Right. Well, so so I want to take a moment to thank you for the work that you do there because it's it's not easy. Um and I think you and I kind of share that that heart a little bit. Um, also, want to take a moment to thank our episode sponsors, Fullscale. Fullscale.io can help you build a software team quickly and affordably, and we are so very grateful to them for allowing us the opportunity to have conversations like this—these these very vital conversations. Um, so, so I want to ask you—you you, you mentioned something, and and we're gonna we're gonna hop into the tactics of pipeline entrepreneurs here in just a second. But I do first want to ask you—you uh, you mentioned building relationships and how you were able to. Uh, come to success and you were able to you know find the the, the tools and the resources that you needed to succeed um, but that it was it was kind of built on the cornerstone or the linchpin of relationship building and I want to talk to you about uh, about that so over the course of your career how have you built the relationships that you need to thrive So one of the, that's a great question one of the things
1: that is, I don't know if it can be taught or not. I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure that it can. I think it helps when it's just kind of part of your DNA, but one of the, I, again, unlikely got it. I was in healthcare as a social worker before I moved out here and actually got into, um, the startup world. And as a social worker, you're really trained to listen and to care. I mean, that was why I got into it because I had a natural, um, you know, desire to take care of other people and to look out for them. And so in that process, as I got into the startup world and in building relationships, it was that natural, let me hear and care about what the other person has going on. And somehow that, that authenticity of that, I think that you can do it and have like ulterior motives and it doesn't work when it's authentic and real that you actually care and you're listening to what the other person needs or what they want. um, Then I think that that translates and what that looked like for me in relationship building was two things. One was listening first and hearing what did the other group need? But the second piece of that was being a problem solver. So rather than seeing it as, oh, well, they need this thing over here and I know I can't give that to them. I heard it as a challenge, like, okay, this is, I know, I understand what they need here's what I need. And this just deep belief that there was nothing that could stop me from finding a way to make that connection work if it was the right opportunity. So by listening first and hearing what they needed and putting that, you know, kind of like on the table first to say, okay, these are the terms that they need. This is what they need. This is what I know I need. And then just the belief of I can actually make those things come together. I never thought that I couldn't make it come together. And so that's how I build relationships was, first listening, and then second, being able to say, oh, okay, I know how to make this work. You need this. I have this. If we do this together, it you can get so much further. And then, you know, you kind of do that enough times over your career and you're like, oh, wow, that really does work. And so now, not only does that help me build relationships, but it helps me um, in matchmaking other people. So it's like taking that even a step further and saying, you know, when an entrepreneur comes to me and says, hey, I'm I'm needing this kind of a connection, I'm able to pull from a large, you know, group of people and say, oh, my gosh, I know exactly who you need. So not only does it help in just relationship building on my own front, but it also helps in matchmaking other entrepreneurs with resources that they need, because I'm hearing it from both sides, like I'm hearing what they're saying, and also knowing what other people needs, because I have this whole, you know, kind of Rolodex in my mind of, what people need and and what was important to them that I'm pulling from.
0: Yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about with the the Rolodex piece. Um, somebody actually told me today that it, I'm kind of like a social worker in, in what I do, and you clearly understand that because I'm just like, how do we take, how do we pair individuals with the resources that are going to be of most benefit to them? Yep. So, so let's talk about how pipeline entrepreneurs benefits. Your your constituents, your entrepreneurs, your startup founders, uh, talk to us about the 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 program, the the eyes and the, on the you know the dotted eyes and the cross T's. Yeah, so pipeline
1: is a resource for high growth entrepreneurs. We are a fellowship, and you know we we fit a very unique spot in the startup ecosystem in that. We're focusing on high-growth entrepreneurs. We're providing them with best-in-class resources, so they do a year-long fellowship. We only select about thirteen a year, um, so we're not going for quantity; we're going for quality. And um, we're giving them access to, um, you know, one of our our um, well, he's on our board, but he's also one of the leaders for one of our modules you know, really started the entrepreneurship program at MIT. I mean, that kind of quality of, um, you know, resources and leadership. And, you know, so they go through four modules a year. uh, This upcoming week, actually this week, it feels like it's next week, but this week is our third module. And it's a three-day intensive training on each module. So um, they do one in February, they do another one in July, and then, Now this one, um, and then they'll do another one in November. And so given all of that, they go through, they get this amazing training, and that's their fellowship year. And then hopefully we're helping them take their business from where it would probably plateau, and we're helping them scale and get to either exit or high growth. So our job is to fit that unique little spot where we're getting them, and they are like really growing. And then, you know, as in the life cycle of most startups, you can plateau. And so our job is let's give them that access to resources, whether that is the community, whether that's access to, you know, national advisors or just, um, you know, uh, capital resources, all those things to help them get to that next stage. So my job really is to support that. Community. So over time, the organization has been around for 14 years. It was led by Joni Cobb, who just did an amazing job of taking the organization from when it was kind of it got cut off at the knees um, by government funding in in Kansas stopping, and she just you know pushed forward to make sure that those resources were available. And 14 years later, there's 150 people who have gone through the program, and those that community of entrepreneurs has had a lot of success. Um, And my job is to make sure that not only are we just taking care of our own members, but those members are also able to give back to the community. So we can, again, everything kind of goes back to that whole thought of how do we make a way for the next generation of entrepreneurs and make that an easier path. So giving back, um, you know, and, and doing a little bit more community facing programming. So it's not just, Hey, it's only our members that we're, you know, we're helping how can our members also help people in the community and doing some more community facing programming than we've done in the past.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's really important to note a couple of things about pipeline entrepreneurs. First thing, um, you you're not just highly credentialed in the the leaders of the organ like the people who offer programming the mentors and the teachers but i mean you've had some pretty high profile entrepreneurs pass through your system the one that pops into my head didn't toby rush who was the ceo of i verify did like a 150 million dollar exit or something like that here in kansas city and just raised a lot of eyebrows. Well, he went through Pipeline Entrepreneurs. Um, right. so clearly, you are setting your members up for success. But I and, and I want to, the second point that I want to kind of shine a light on, and, and I almost feel like this is most, the more important of the two, is the fact that I have noticed, you know, your, your program is cohort-based, um, and each of your cohorts, I have noticed that there is a level of camaraderie and family amongst your, your, you know, like each year of fellowship, like amongst your your teams that I haven't really seen very many other places. And and so I I would point to like right now I know that. Um, Donald Hawkins and Beck Abdullayev and like they're they're all of these like Kansas City entrepreneurs who are going through the program right now Um, and they I, I see them pointing to each other and and I and actually to your earlier point like for instance in the instance of Donald Hawkins like he founded Casey Collective which is an organization that supports entrepreneurs so they are they are collectively supporting those who come behind Um, But they are also very, very intentionally supporting each other. And that's highly visible. And so I I think that having that as like a cornerstone of your programming, that that does so much. Like, you know, give them the tools, but then also give them the network and the family, right?
1: Family at heart. That's what we say. I mean, truly, that is, I love that you pointed that out because they really are, I mean, one of my favorite uh, things in starting this job was getting to meet the entrepreneurs because they really are each, each group that you're talking about There's a little bit of a similarity because you're talking about high growth entrepreneurs. So there's a little bit of this, like, you know, kind of type a, like, you know, your typical personality of an entrepreneur. But <laughs> <laughs> so they, they have that in common and that would typically you would expect to clash at some point because, you know, these really strong personalities. Um, and instead, and I think it has so much to do with the culture that Joni, um, you know, established through the organization. And if you talk to some of our leaders who, who are at, you know, MIT and Harvard, that was what drew them to be involved in pipeline was that it was very different. The, the culture and um, that, kind of, we look out for each other, we take care of each other. That's really what distinguishes it. I mean, and that's something that you can't force that just is there. And I think a lot of it has to do with um, the heart of the entrepreneurs. Again, it's like when you're in the Midwest, it's so hard to be an entrepreneur because your access to resources and things is it's more limited than if you were to go on the coast. But for those that are in these programs, man, they support each other and, you know, I, my hope is that we can, you know, just continue to grow that because they look out for each other. And you mentioned Beck and you mentioned Donna, the way that they interact and the way that they support each other, they are each other's biggest fans. And so, um, and it's huge. And they, we've had a lot of success stories, which also says something and something that I looked at when um, I was recruited for the position was you see these entrepreneurs who have gone through the ranks. And if you ask them, it's that support system, right? Like it's feeling like, you know, whether you're talking about um, Toby or any of the other entrepreneurs, the thing that's really interesting is that none of their success stories came without some almost like things almost didn't happen. And I think that that's the power of having a group like Pipeline where there is that family culture because you're willing to share with each other. And again, going back to what we were saying in the beginning, It's those stories of feeling like, is this normal or how did you get through it? Or I've experienced this. It also goes on the whole financial side of things where it's like, okay, you know, my company, am I going to make payroll? And then you get the support of other entrepreneurs and they are like, hey, try this, especially right now with the pandemic. I mean, one of the things that's been amazing in seeing how our entrepreneurs and we've tried to put programming, weekly programming in for quite a while around you know, PPP and the EIDL and everything that was going on and to see the creativity of how some of the entrepreneurs like stack things together and what they did. And then not only just keeping that to themselves, but then sharing that with other members, like, Hey, I stacked this with this and then that got me to here. And then I did this like their creativity and what has allowed them to be successful entrepreneurs, um, by taking that creativity and, and marrying that with, you know, an idea and and moving that forward. It's the same thing that you're, I'm seeing now with the pandemic and how they're responding to get through difficult times and supporting each other the whole way. It's, I have to say like, I absolutely love that camaraderie. It is not just like, Oh, it seems like it's like that, or it's just on social media. We're supporting each other. I mean, they look out for each other and there is, You know, the high profile members that have gone through and had successes are the first ones where it's like, hey, if there's someone who's going through something, connect me with them. I mean, it's
0: just amazing. I absolutely love that about Pipeline. Well, and I mean, you talk about how it kind of happens. You mentioned that it happens organically. um, And I would I would actually challenge that. A little bit. Like I think that the leaders, you know, first Joni and now you of this organization, like you have a really difficult job. Like the the culture that you are deeply embedding and ingraining in pipeline entrepreneurs, it it somebody has to do it first. Mm. You and Joni had to do it first, you had to model it, you had to choose the right Um, Applicants, like I don't know how many applicants you get per year, but it is a selective program, and you know, you have to choose the right people and then you have to foster them in the right way. And so, clearly, that is something that you're doing. Um, So, I don't know exactly what you're doing, but keep doing it. (laughs) it, Well,
1: I just got fortunate to take over after Joni. I mean, she built obviously such an amazing. Culture. And, and that is something that is has been built into the DNA of every member. I mean, there's a culture code. We do a whole session about culture and, you know, what that means and the why of why you're doing things. And so I, I am very fortunate to come after her and be able to really just continue to build on that.
0: Well, so so let's, I I, I do want to delve into that a little bit because I I cannot, so so for those of you outside the Kansas City area, which there are many, um, Joni Cobb is well known within Kansas City. She is, she's been a hero of mine. Um, She's been a hero to many in the entrepreneurial community, but now you are, you're Melissa Vincent and you are not Joni Cobb. Um, I'm sure that you share a lot of really amazing traits but how does your leadership differ or what is the future that Melissa Vincent sees for pipeline entrepreneurs? That is a really, really good question.
1: And I think that, um, I think it's interesting because I think when you look back at how the organization was formed, um, where, you know, k was, you know, the, for those who aren't in the area, um, there was state funding that had gone to, I think I mentioned it federal earlier, but state funding that had gone to supporting, um, you know, the entrepreneurial ecosystem here. That was taken away, um, stopped, really not taken away, it was stopped. And so at that point, um, you know, you have a choice, right? You can either say, well, okay, someone else is going to have to do it, or you can say, I'm going to be the person to do that. And so Joni stepped up and was like, you know, no way that's stopping and really push forward to say there's this programming that's necessary and needed and I'm going to figure out how to build it out and you know she traveled all over the country she went up to MIT I mean she went all over trying to figure out what that program needed to be and no was not going to be an answer I meaning it was going to happen and that she's a force of nature in the most excuse me, the most positive way. I mean, she knew it needed to happen and, and she wasn't going to let it not happen on her watch. So she just pushed forward and created this amazing organization that 14 years later is still growing and is still successful. Um, and so that's a hard act to follow, right? Like here's this like dynamic personality and she, and she is, she's dynamic. And, um, you know, th- there's these, you know, I think that if I were coming in thinking I needed to be her, it wouldn't have worked. And I think part of what um, is helpful in having had my own companies is that I've also had to transition them to people. And that's not an easy process. And so there was a, when I was coming in, it was like this understanding of this was her baby, but that I already immediately resonated with it, cared about it, and also wanted to see it move forward. And part of what that looks like is, you know, taking it and broadening it a little bit, maybe building bridges. Um, not that there were any burnt bridges, but I think that um, there, as we look forward, we have to really engage with other organizations that maybe could be seen as competitors, but I just don't see them that way. I think that there is a spot for all of us in this ecosystem, and we're all trying to do the same work and supporting entrepreneurs. And so just understanding where we start and where we finish and where we fit in that ecosystem is kind of, it goes back to, you know, where the relationship building piece that's unique in, in you know, the way that I look at being an entrepreneur. And I think that that was the piece that's kind of just needed. It's like, okay, how do we broaden a little bit without diluting anything of who Pipeline is or or what we're doing, but how do we broaden a little bit and build some bridges Um, and make some connections and draw some people in who maybe otherwise wouldn't be, um, you know, open to being involved in the, in the pipeline ecosystem. And so what that looks like to me is just getting to know some amazing organizations and other um, entrepreneurial resources that are out there and just reaching out to them and being like, Hey, I'm Melissa, you know, how can pipeline help what you're doing and tell me about what you're doing and what's going on. And, so I think that it's it's been I definitely, you know, Joni is such a heart for entrepreneurs and making sure that they have access to the resources. And I share that same heart. And then for me, it's also that bridge building in the community and, um, you know, kind of taking that little nuance to it and, and going forward with that. That was a yeah. long
0: answer, by the way. <laughs> no, it, it was a great answer, though. Like, I honestly, like, when we're doing this, I don't really care about the length as long as it's a good answer with good <laughs> information, and that was amazing. So, so perfect. Um, So, so we, we are coming up on the end of our time, however, and I, I've been thinking about your human questions since very early on when you were talking. I don't always relate it back to something that you discussed, but in this instance, I'm going to. So here goes. You're now, now you're acting at my whim. Um, so my question to you is what is your favorite thing to do with your son? Right
1: now it's playing badminton. He's gotten on this badminton kick. And uh, so we now have badminton. I love that. And there you go. It's playing badminton with him right now.
0: All right. And I mean, perfect, perfect activity for, for summer and for, Covid and <laughs> we did <laughs> All right, well, well, so, so Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with us and chat. And I mean, we went a little over time, and I don't even care because this has been so interesting and lovely to finally get the opportunity to talk to you. But thank you for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me. I love it and appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, and I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment to thank Full Scale. We love Full Scale around here. Uh, fullscale.io can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. Please also bear in mind that you can find the Startup Hustle Podcast on Instagram at Startup Hustle Podcast and take a look at our YouTube channel. Thanks for much, so much for spending some time with us today, and we hope to see you again soon.